It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is the Flow Track Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to a special cross-country edition. I am Kevin Sully, joined by Gordon Mack. We're going to be talking Nutty Comb and Prenats today. I was prepping for the show, Gordon. I'm looking on Twitter. I see one of your favorite football players of all time is trending. It's Zach Ertz. I click on it. I think, man, Gordon's prepping for the show. Does he know that, that Zach Ertz has been traded? Are you doing okay? I I'm doing all right. The last night was a struggle for me, losing to Tom Brady, uh, and then losing Ertz. But he scored the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl, so he's forever a GOAT Philadelphia athlete. And uh, it's time to move on. I have already, though, before we get mm-hmm. into pre-Nats and Nuttycomb, I love like manipulating stats to tell me a certain storyline that, that agrees with my opinion. But I'm yeah. starting to figure out a storyline via my stats that Jalen Hurts is an ex-Russell Wilson. Okay, good. Do you have it on a spreadsheet That's that you've my... posted on Reddit yet? No, I haven't done it yet. But okay. if you look at Russell Wilson's first year as a full-time starter, his completion percentage, total touchdowns, interceptions, total yards, rushing and passing – are looking eerily similar to a per-game basis of what Jalen Hurts is doing this mm-hmm. season. So Now, Russell Wilson went 11-5 year one, and then the second year won the Super Bowl. So the plan yeah. here is we, you know, we're probably not going to go 11-5, but year two, we win the Super Bowl. So 2023, Super Bowl, Super Bowl champs. That's how it works. Just makes sense. For those of you who don't know Gordon and haven't had the pleasure of having a conversation with him about sports, in a country filled with irrational sports fan, actually in a world filled with irrational sports fan, I think Gordon is in the 99th percentile, basically, of always coming up with a reason for why his team will be victorious next year and why that player will turn into the next best thing. Let's get going, though, with some cross-country, Gordon. What is this, the third is this the third most important weekend of the year? If you go nationals and then regionals, and then is this, is this number three, or do you, put, do you put this ahead of regionals, actually? I'll put us ahead of regionals. I'll say this is the second most important. Actually, it's the most important because it's all, I mean, the nationals is just separate because clearly that crowns champion. But when it comes to preparing for nationals, the results of these two meets are basically the formulation of the national rankings and mm-hmm. uh, haves and have nots going into November. So looking at the results, Looking at these results, I have kind of formulated some opinions, some things that people might not recognize right away. It's not as simple as saying, you know, Iowa State men, NAU men are the top two teams and New Mexico women and Colorado women are the two top teams because they weren't even field. Some schools were holding certain athletes out. The courses are very different. Nuttycomb is very different from Tallahassee, and we'll get into right. that, but Overall, I'm excited. I uh, there are some things that surprised me, things that I expected, and mm-hmm. uh, things that kind of confused me. And we'll get okay. all into it. So, yeah, I want you to touch on all those things, but and we'll go race by race. We'll start with Nuttycomb men because that's the one that just finished. Wesley Kipto won the race over Cooper Tears. A lot of star power right there. 
And on the team race, as you mentioned, it was Iowa State getting the win and then Stanford second. But what I'd like you to do as a service to, to the listeners out there, before we start talking about every single race, can you just mention who ran and who didn't basically with these top teams? How many people were held out? Because that's just an important caveat whenever we talk about NCAA cross country. So when we go through these um, at the top, can you mention – you know, who had two of their top five out or who had three of their top five out. Um, but I'll let you just jump right in. Nutty comb men, what'd you think? So there wasn't too many guys not in. Um, looking at Stanford and Iowa State, the people we expected who have been consistent over the year, going back to last year, were the people who were in the top five. I didn't really see any notable number one stick that was being held out on the men's side mm -hmm. because so there may have been a potential number four runner somewhere that is lurking and hasn't run. But overall, mm -hmm. I would say that what we saw is what we're going to get in November. The one person, I would, the one team, which we can go a little bit did that did leave someone out is Washington, but Washington finished all the way back in 14th. Mm -hmm. Even if they replace their number five runner with this guy, they're still going to finish outside of top 10 probably. So Washington did leave a top five guy out, but it wouldn't have changed them from 14th to a top three team here. Like they would still be in the mm -hmm. mix between eight and 14. Um, but overall, mm -hmm. most teams on the men's side ran who they, who they have. Okay. And then result, Iowa State gets a, a win over Stanford. As I mentioned, Kip two. Tier, Hicks, Bienenfeld of Oregon, Bob Liking of Wisconsin in fifth, Sprout, Stanford sixth, Kai Robinson seventh. I, listen, I got to bring this up because I mentioned this in the ranking show early on. I said, you, got, you have Iowa State too low. I said, you have Iowa State too low. We argued about it. You discounted the Fessus Legat factor. I said, nope, don't count this guy out. He's a gamer. Ends up being their second stick here. Tell me. Have you? I mean, I'm looking at your your most recent rankings here. You had Iowa State down at 15th, so we gotta we gotta think this is a big a big performance for them today. Yeah, it is a big performance for them, but it also could be the result of subpar performances from other teams. You know, so a combination. I mean, you look at my my 15th ranked team was Iowa State, and my 16th ranked team was Tulsa, and Tulsa finished third in this race. Mm -hmm. So, and Wisconsin, Stanford was a big upset because Stanford have as a top seven, top 10 team. So that was an impressive move for Iowa State to beat a, a good Stanford team. But the other teams that have ranked above them, either they weren't at this meet or they kind of just underperformed. Like Washington's, the Syracuse's didn't run well as I expected. Wisconsin kind of ran well, was still there mm -hmm. in that top group. Um, but yeah, Iowa State... Clearly is showing that they're not 15th. I probably would look at them now more in the 6 to 10 range. Mm -hmm. I'm not yet crowning them a podium contender yet, like in the top four, because pre-Nats was definitely a deeper men's field than the Nutty mm -hmm. field. But Iowa State did kind of impress me. I was They were one of the surprises that went from a uh, – a middle of the pack 15th ranked team to now, I believe, you know, on a bad day, they'll finish 10th, you know? So I think they're okay. definitely deserve to be in the top 10 now. Other surprises in this men's field, either individual or team. Uh, Air force ran well, right? Getting fifth. I did not <laughs> see that come in. Wisconsin ran well in their home course. Tulsa, uh, definitely kind of rebounded from kind of having a subpar earlier season. But I'd say the biggest surprises, we'll do negative surprises and positive surprises. So negative surprises was definitely the Washington men. They finished 14th. Their star runner, Kirian Lum, who people not, may not remember, at Drake Relays ran like 1320-something yeah. in a 5K. He finishes 44th overall here. A guy who's run 1320 in a 5K, finishing 44th in the college race, doesn't quite make sense. He he lost 33 spots in the final 2K. Clearly mm -hmm. died. Something happened. This is a challenging course. It is it's not friendly. I do think, though, it is kind of going to be an outlier for him. 
I think when he gets to Tallahassee, we'll talk about it. It's a very different course. It is not cross country friendly. It is basically track friendly. It is basically going to be like yeah. a track meet. And I think Kerry Lum will be able to be a top 10 type, type guy for Washington and Tallahassee. But yeah, overall that team, they have they're stacked. They have so many sub 14 5k runners. Yeah. And for them to finish 14th, I thought was very underwhelming. But maybe they could be one of those surprise teams in November because it's going to be like a track meet in Tallahassee, and that will benefit a team like Washington. Um, North Carolina also didn't run as well, but it's kind of expected. They're a young team. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't be too surprised. Uh, and then positives, Iowa State, you know, yep. winning. Obviously, that's a positive. But individually, pretty impressed with Bob Liking of Wisconsin. He's a freshman. Good. He was fifth overall. I, I great name. I believe he DNF'd or did not start at nationals last year. Let me find his results. So yeah, he finished twelfth at the Big Ten Cross Country Championships in January mm -hmm. of twenty twenty one, and then he didn't run nationals. Yeah. So we haven't really seen him much in cross country. This is his third cross country race in college. We had 12th yeah. at Big 12, Big Tens, Louisville. He was third overall, and then he gets fifth here at Nuttycomb. So he's going to be a sneaky he's, – he's going to be legit. Freshman for Wisconsin, he's going to be doing well for the Badgers for the next four years. Mm -hmm. Individually, though, let's go to the top of that race. Because as I mentioned, you had star power there on that top two with, with Kip 2 and, and Tier. Can you click through, uh, Travis, for those of people who are watching this, uh, just, just to see the splits? Because with Kipta, you always got to see the splits here. So at 2K, let's see where where they were at and then watch the field progress um, from there. So he was in the lead by, was that four seconds at 2K over tier? Then at, by 4K, he had, let's see, extended lead to 14 seconds. And then we move on to, so he, he broke it up basically from between two and four. Then he was up to 20 seconds, and then by the finish, the lead shrank, which is normal for a Kip 2 race, down to nine. Now, I don't know if that's just him taking his foot off the gas. We've seen that happen before in track and in cross country, or if the field was really pushing hard to, to catch him. But that's the normal Kip 2 that we're used to seeing. And for Tier, he won the opener for, for Oregon earlier on in the year. I don't think he's in a hurry to really go for it at this point because obviously he has the capability to run with with kip too but he also knows hey if i'm gonna beat this guy i probably i can't give him that sort of margin by 4k or 6k yeah the having the nutty comb individual championship trophy is not really on his mind he's he knows Correct. that this is more an experience of running with his teammate ben feld and just being in the mix of a more deeper field so Basically, he let Kip to go, and then basically was like, I got to win this like second race that we created. Because once Kip yeah. was gone, probably after 1K, it's like, all right, yeah, you can win. Cool. Let's see if I can mm -hmm. beat Charles Hicks, if I can beat Bob Liking and Beatles and my teammate, Benfeld. And he did that. And this, I, I know it's kind of weird, right? You see Wesley Kip to beat Cooper Tier by multiple seconds. I would 100% yeah. still put money on Cooper tier finishing higher than Wesley Kip too in November. Yeah. We got a comment in the chat, a couple comments. So uh Tom wanted to, you know, was he saving himself for NCAAs talking about tier? I, and to a certain extent I think everybody is. You know, Kip too doesn't seem like he's the type of guy who saves himself, but he also he, that's just the style. That's just the way he runs and a lot of times he does ease off a bit at the end where you think he could go even harder towards the end. And then uh, Rose runner says, watching the race tier didn't seem too interested in digging too deep to win a meet that doesn't mean anything. I think tier is saving up his very best at NCAAs. So kind of echoes your, your, your perspective on it, Gordon. It's just like, get through, put a good showing out there. I mean, Oregon got six of the team. Did you expect them to finish higher as a, as a team? Yeah, but one of their athletes, Jack, if you look at the results, Jackson Messler, it's like a mm -hmm. 1340 guy or 50 or 40. It was 177th. Yeah. I mean, we're looking at these results, but we'll, we'll talk about it. 
someone like Jackson Messler will be someone who I could see finishing 50th at nationals because right. it's going to be a track meet and Messler more of a track guy. We're yeah. going to see a distinct difference of, you know, a lot of times the true grit cross country type runners, they may be a 14 flat 5k runner, but when it comes mm-hmm. to a cross country race, they can put themselves in that top tier, in that all American status. I think every All-American at NCAAs is going to be a, like a 1355K runner or faster. Like, I don't think we're going to see those like, whoa, who are who is this guy in All-American status? It's going to be people mm-hmm. who've run 1330 and a 5K, 1340, mm-hmm. because it's going to be like a track meet. I can think of one person on Oregon's campus. He's not on the cross-country team anymore who'd be good in a track-type setup. If you just – you just yeah. Put him in those results right there after Bainerfield. Maybe even between Tier and Bainerfield. Maybe he would gotten third. Maybe Cole Hawker would have gotten third if he's in there. But alas, they don't have him. But is that their – that's their squad right there. They didn't really hold anybody out. You expect it to be that group. You just think Messler's going to finish higher up. Yeah, that's, that's basically their squad. Um, Messler, I think, will be higher up. I think – I think uh, what's his name? Get the Miler. I think he still has eligibility. James West? Um, more 800 meter. James, not James West. Oh. Uh, the other say, guy. I mean, I'm all for James West getting more eligibility after he got robbed at the West uh, Regional meet. Charlie Hunter. Track. Oh, okay. Charlie Hunter. So he's still there, but they may be saving him for the track meet. You know, mm-hmm. Oregon is, there's going to be a lot of teams like these Oregons and other teams that are going to look bad throughout the regular season, and all of a sudden it'd be like, where do they come from? I guess Oregon yeah. being one of those nominees. But, it's pretty you know. cool, though. For, this is the first big meet, first of only two or three, maybe, if you're going to say regionals. And you, you, got, you have Kip two-tier. So we already yeah. got to see at least them, them race together. We're going to see them again. I'm, I'm with you. I think if people are in on tier because of his track exploits, you're not going to hop out on tier based on Medicom. You're still going to ride with him when it comes time yeah. for nationals and you're still going to pick him probably over Kip two, but the people who like the way Kip two races and thinks that he, you know, grew as a runner from, from what he did in Stillwater and throughout the track season, he's certainly not worse than he was. He still looks to be right in that same spot. And any win over Cooper tier is, is pretty solid. Why don't we jump over the women's side of things? Uh, run me through the women first. Um, what should we know about who ran and, and who didn't? What was the, what was the headline here? So this was probably the most fascinating result that of the four races. The entire season we're talking about, it's going to be a BYU-NC State dual meet out there. And then New Mexico comes out of the woodwork and takes down both teams um, in a very impressive fashion, very packed-type running. They didn't have a true number one stick. They put all their women in like the 12 to 25 range. Mm-hmm. And they beat two really good teams. Now, there's a caveat. NC State did not run Hannah Steelman, who you would imagine is one of their top three runners. And BYU didn't run Whitney Orton, who is their number one runner. But before we talk about the team, we'll show these results here. Cecilia McCabe, who I have never heard of. Steepler. Have you? Steepler, yeah. Six, Steepler. In the, six, in the, yeah six in the steeple in NCAAs. And I, I looked up her cross finish because I didn't know how well she didn't cross last year. She was... 42nd in okay. cross nationals in in 2021, in March. So certainly solid runner, but this was a huge performance for her. Yeah. To get the win over, over this quality of, of field. Yeah, you look at Camille, Rowe, Magnus, Tui, Haas, Logue. All yeah. of those women are all, you could see them finishing top five, top ten. And she beat them yes. all. And it was not even close, right? By three seconds. So she pulled away at the end. Um, very impressive for for her. I'm not sure if this win makes me think she could be a national title contender. I kind of – I still reserve that for Mercy Chilanga. I don't think this win really moves the needle much for me there. But yeah. it's definitely going to show that she's going to be top 10 potential. Mm-hmm. So – very impressive for the West Virginia athlete. Never heard of her. McCabe, now I will. It makes sense. When he finished 42nd, 
you're just outside of the All American, so you can kind of slip through the cracks, and you're not. It's not a yeah. memorable result, you know, because like well, you're not a returning All American. But combine the 42nd place with a win at Nuttycomb, hey, like it's legit. What's the average of 42 and one? What 21? <laughs> so or 21. There you right, go. So she'll finish top 20. We should mention NC State also didn't run Dominique Claremont as well. BYU, I don't know if it was just – BYU is really deep. I mean, so is NC State. But obviously, the or- Orton was the big person they held out. But there also could be someone who, hey, this is actually our fifth person, and you don't really figure that out until NCAAs. But obviously, Orton not being there it, you know, is a big deal. But I see from this, just from the immediate reaction to it, not talking to anybody, it, almost, it feels like NC State has more upside coming out of this than BYU. Do you agree? Yes. However, I know you mentioned Claremont. Claremont didn't run well at the uh, Notre Dame meet. So I'm not sure if Dominic Claremont is going to really be one of their top five women. Steelman, yes. Because she has 100%, 100%, recently yeah. shown that she, she's there. So I honestly think it's really only NC State didn't have Steelman and BYU didn't have Orton. And that I did some... Fun little math here will bring this little graphic up that I created on my little <laughs> laptop. I pretended that let's imagine Orton gets fifth in this race and Steelman mm-hmm. like finishes a little bit above their fourth of the their third runner. Mm-hmm. The new totals would have been NC State 78, BYU 100, New Mexico 101. So 20 mm-hmm. point difference isn't much. I think. What it really shows, it shows, I think it still shows NC State is the favorite. Yeah. But I do think it shows if NC State and BYU have bad days, New Mexico 1000% has a chance to win. I think that the gap between uh, average BYU slash NC State to a good day, New Mexico, is non existent. So. Yeah, I said it was a two-team race. I still kind of feel like it's a two-team race, but yeah. New Mexico, if chaos happens, we should not be surprised if they end up winning. You know, so, well, I'm, look at that I'm looking at yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at BYU and where they can improve. I think Anna Camp finishing 32nd is a clear spot where they can gain some points. You know, NCAA 1500 meter champion, New Mexico. I'm about to pay New Mexico the highest compliment that I can give in sports. And that is okay. comparing them to the San Antonio Spurs. Because listen, every year we're like, all right, New Mexico had a good run, but they graduated three of their top five or they graduated their top two. And they managed to put the pieces back together to feel the competitive team and sometimes a championship team. And they do it with people that nobody is familiar with. I mean, some people are familiar with this, but the name that jumps out at you at this list on this list is who, Gordon? Who's the person you're most familiar with in terms of New Mexico? Of their of the Nettico. Adva Cohen. She didn't Adva score. Yeah. She got she was their sixth runner. It's Stephanie Parsons, Grayson Larkin, Emma Heckel, Abby Goldstein, Samir Deshaun. Obviously all great runners, but at the beginning of the year, I don't think you had any of these women that high up on your rankings, correct? And he just Joe Franklin just manages every year to put together a squad of really talented, under the radar athletes. And this we've been doing this years now. This is going like a decade now, basically, almost of of him doing it. Yeah, you talk about the Kalatis and the Kurgots and the Prouses and the Taylors and the or uh, the Alice, Alice Wrights and all, all those, uh, Courtney Frerichs, obviously the, the headliners, but he's had a lot of teams like this, or he's had a lot of contributing members of his team like this, it's just a bunch of role players where you put them all together and they go, I mean, what's their one through five here? 18 seconds. That's crazy. Yeah. They go 12, 12, 15, 16, 24, 26, 18 second spread. And it looks like they packed up all There's the way through sp- 4k. Because they were only one yeah. second apart at 4K. So, again, I don't know if it's a title team, but just the fact that every year we do this dr- drill, I'm going to stop picking against them for podiums. I'm going to stop doing it. I learned my lesson. Yeah, the only negative is they have a great pack, but, like, you've looked into this research. How often does a team that has an incredible pack yeah, win you gotta have without 
a top 10 stick. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You got to have one up there. You got to have, to extend my analogy, you got to have the Tim Duncan, right? If you're the Spurs, you can't just have a, bunch, a, a lot of second round and late first round picks and get it done. So, yes, I, that's what I'm saying. I'll, I'll stop short of saying title team this year. But again, it's it's podium and it's winning meets like this and it's putting themselves in the position to win. And you look at that, look at that five, Gordon. I see a sophomore, uh, two freshmen, one senior, and a junior. So then you go, you come back with that squad, and then you do have a podium team. Or sorry, then you do have a title contender for 2022. So I just continue to be impressed um, by them. Looking farther down the results, anybody surprise you, you know, positively or negatively? Um, negatively, it's got to be the Pac-12. Washington women, 15th. Stanford women, 16th. Oregon women, 18th. Now, mainly Stanford and Washington, but ultimately mainly Stanford. It just doesn't make any sense. Zofia Dudek, who has had great individual performances but didn't put together at NCAAs, was like a, a measly 38th. But then you look at these people like... Christina Aragon is 127th. Audrey Dadamio, who's been running well, 151st. And the more and more I think about it, they're all freshmen, right? And I feel like maybe we kind of over had over expect over expected. What's it? What's the raise phrase? Overhyped. I'm trying to say overhyped. Oh, maybe we overhyped the Stanford women. Now they didn't run without Julia overestimated. Yeah, overestimated. Now they didn't run without Julia Haymack. But even if you throw her yeah. in and say Julia wins, you only mm-hmm. drop off a hundred points. Right. So it doesn't really mean much. Um, but yeah, yeah, I was really surprised with Stanford and same thing with Washington. They just they have great women who have done great things on the track and even on the cross country course, but for some reason in this race, they were not anywhere near the top top of the list. I know there's a lot of freshmen this year because of the extended eligibility, but how many people put teams out that look like this? Freshman, 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 senior, freshman, freshman, sophomore on the line. There can't be that many teams that are that freshman heavy. And again, we, you know, Haymack or some other experienced hands might come in later on in the season, but that's an awful lot of freshmen you're relying on, even if they did run in the in the 2021 winter cross country season. So it's a lot of young athletes. There is one team out there that has a connection to Stanford that is doing that right now. And it's the North Carolina women. They have all freshmen and one senior. They actually ran well. We'll talk about them when we get to uh, the prenup meet, but yes. Yeah. Pac 12 was kind of just surprised about Mm -hmm. the women not doing well there. And then the surprise, good performance. Um, I mean, obviously, McCabe, the West Virginia athlete, individual, ran very well. Minnesota kind of did what they we thought. You know, they're, that's not too surprising. Oklahoma State, not too surprising. I guess Colorado State women finishing sixth. Mm-hmm. You know, I the women haven't really been on the map for Colorado State. It's always been the men. So for the... Women to finish in the top 10 here, I think is pretty impressive because, you know, they're surrounded by the big star teams up front and behind the yeah. team. They beat, you know, notable teams like Syracuse, Providence, Iowa State, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, Michigan State. So Colorado State, I'd say, is the kind of surprise underdog team that did well. Mm-hmm. All right. Should we go to pre-nats then? Yeah, let's do pre-nats. All right. Well, do, do the women first. Yeah, let's start with the women. The Garnet 6K, Colorado dominant performance for the women. They scored 159-16-23 for a score of 54. Utah was second with 149. Florida State third, 163. Individually, Abby Nichols of Colorado wins it. It's the second head of Lauren Gregory of Arkansas and then Lauren Ryan of Florida State. I mean, going in when you looked at the teams, did you think this was going to be a almost 100-point victory for the Buffaloes? Yeah, I did not expect a dominant win for whoever would have won. You know, looking at the teams, it's definitely obviously not as deep as Nuttycomb, 
Utah is kind of like a overachiever during regular season. Florida State, they're on their home course. They're like more of like a, a eight to 16 team. Same with Ole Miss and North Carolina. Arkansas, they're good, but they're not great. And they're kind of having an off year. So it wasn't like world beaters that they beat. So if you want to show that you have a chance to win a national title, you got to win this race by a lot. And that's what Colorado did. You know, yeah. if Colorado won this race with 100 points, you could kind of chalk it as like, ah, Colorado, not a contender. But you beat who you're supposed to beat, and you have to beat them handily. And that's what Colorado did here, 54 points. Their number four runner was 16th. Number yeah. five runner was 23rd. Uh, definitely Colorado should be in the conversation with, you know, the New Mexico's NC States and BYU's. It's going to be a little bit of an unknown because Colorado won't race them at Pac-12s. They're going to go up against, you know, the Pac-12 Nuttycomb teams that didn't run well. And Colorado going up against New Mexico and BYU at the Mountain Regional, you're not going to be able to take much from it because you know for a fact they're all just kind of, Chilling. Looking at each other and be like, hey, let's just get through this 6K for Nationals. So this is basically it that we're going to know of Colorado. We're going to see them as a 54-point scoring team at pre-Nets. And we got to like take for what it is. And it's pretty good. The We should not be surprised if they find a way to win it. Abby Nichols transferred from Ohio State. Ran well, won it individually. Impressed with India Johnson, the Michigan State transfer, finishing mm-hmm. ninth. Emily Covert, I think she's been dealing with some injuries, finishing fifth. So they had a good one, two, three. And yeah. then their fourth, again, best fourth runner typically wins NCAAs in this situation. Their fourth runner was Rachel MacArthur. She's a lot of experience. Yeah. So yeah, I'll be excited Another to see tra- how they do. That's an interesting group when you look at it because you got Nichols transfer, Covert freshman, Johnson transfer, MacArthur transfer, and then Minuti is a freshman as well too. So interesting just to see how the, these teams come together. Some of them have been – some of those transfers have been there longer than others, but it's just it's just interesting to track it. What about – I mean, did, did you expect more from any of these other teams? Well, actually – you brought up North Carolina. Might as well talk about them because it totally does refute the point that I was making about Stanford. They go one senior is their top runner, and then they trotted out a whole bunch of freshmen. There was only freshmen on that on that trip with one senior, Paige Hofstad, and they they're in pretty well. They got they got fifth, 184 points, sandwiched there between Ole Miss and Arkansas. Yeah, and if you like, the pack of freshmen kind of worked together, right? Bryn Brown was 39th, and then yeah, Natalie Tyner was 45th. So just six spots. I mean, basically, they all finished together as a group of freshmen, right? At like the the forty place mark. Um, Sydney Mascarelli, we haven't seen her. I believe this is her college de- debut. Is it? No, she's run. So. No, she ran. Oh, she's she run yet? Okay. Yeah. Uh, was their sixth runner? Um, yeah, North Carolina is going to be good next year. Uh, they're going to be very, very good next year. Um, watch out. Milt knows what he's doing out there. In North Carolina, he's going to get them ready. The men are slowly coming along. The women, though, I feel like are going to be fast-tracked into 2022 as, you know, the fringe number four team, and then 2023, hey, we can win it. Yeah. She ran at the Beantown meet, Massarelli. Okay. And where did they get, where did they place in that one? They won that one. That's right. So they went 1-6-17. Did they – yeah, so Bryn Brown won that one. Then Sasha, Miglia, and then Hanson, Tyner, Harrington, all freshmen. <laughs> Dobson, another freshman. I mean, they didn't they didn't run Hofstad here, so everybody was a freshman at this this meet. That's incredible. Yeah. A lot of youth there. A lot of youth. I guess there's two types of freshmen, right? There's the, the redshirt freshmen that actually were there last year, and then there's the freshmen who are freshmen this year. So but still, actually, there's, there's, an FR next there's also COVID, there's also COVID freshmen. Well, that's what I'm talking about. The ones who were here last year. There's two freshmen. There's three types of freshmen. There's 20, 20 people who are starting in 2021. There's people who started in 2020, right? Is there another group? 
Yeah, but there's people who started in 2019 who are freshmen. Oh, because well, wouldn't they? They they don't they wouldn't have just called them sophomores this year. No, because they redshirt 2019. Right. 2020 doesn't count. So they're a freshman again in 2021. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Lot to remember. All right. <laughs> a lot of freshmen. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, men, FSU, invite. And let's go to the Garnet race. NAU wins it. 64 points. Colorado second with 128. They win in a tiebreaker against Arkansas, who also had 128. BYU three points back, 131. And then Notre Dame fifth and 203. Individually, Connor Mance got the victory over Adrian Wildshut by a couple seconds. Vincent Kip, Victor Kiprop, excuse me, third. I'll be having their fourth and Dylan Jacobs fifth. Gordon, any of you still on track here? Yeah. So, okay. There's a lot of things I take from this race because this basically had the depth for the men. The women, it was all about the nutty comb race. The men was about the pre-nuts race. So we'll start with NAU. Now, NAU ran well. Mm -hmm. I am a bit worried. And I'm a little bit worried because they basically ran very similar to the way they ran in 2019 mm -hmm. at the Nutty Comb Invitational in 2019. They had that same kind of dominating performance. They put yep. three in the top 10 there, and then the rest of the guys were all in the top 25, top 30. There, I, I'm just getting worried that there might be a little bit of a deja vu moment from the 2019 squad. Now, obviously... It's a different competitive field, and maybe BYU just was able to had such a great race that they were able to defeat a really good NAU. And there might yeah. not be that version of a BYU out there to beat this good NAU team. But I wasn't, I wasn't like, oh my god, dominant NAU, give them the trophy, it's over. I do think there are multiple teams that can beat NAU, and. Uh, yeah, they're still the favorite. I still would pick them to win, but I'm not based off of my 2019 lesson of thinking that there was no way this team was ever going to lose. You know, I'm kind of holding back a bit. You know, they are they figured out a way though to replace Luis Grijalva and Blaze Farrow very well with Drew Bosley running a lot better this year and with the transfer of George Kush. Um, so they're definitely going to be the favorite. The question is, we know Abdi Nur and Nico Young are going to run well. Will Bosley continue this run and show up when it matters in November? Will George Kush show up, and will they find a fifth in Theo Quacks or Brody Hasty or Ryan Raff to get that fifth spot? So Is this their, this their five? I mean, I saw Hasty ran the B race, and yeah. – he was the third NAU guy in the B race behind Caleb Easton and Kang Noak. So I don't, he came on last year at the end after you doubted him mid season and came back and, and ran well. Um, did I kind of highlight every time you doubt NAU? Because it doesn't happen that much, but I just like to kind of balance it out. <laughs> Be like, Gordon Mann's got a lot of questions about NAU this year. He doesn't know if they can pull it off. But what I'm saying is, there's not a clear holdout. This isn't one of those situations of, oh, they rested Baxter. Or, oh, they no, lasted, no, yeah. you know, they, they, they rested Grijalva. Or they sat out uh, Peter Lamont. This is, their this, is, this is pretty much their team, except something might change at the margins. But, I mean, Nur, Bosley, Young, and Kusha is probably going to be the four, right? The difference would be the five. Yeah, so here's the thing. You know Abdelhamenar is going to show up and be top ten. Drew Bosley... At worst, it's going to yeah. be like 20th. Nico Young's going to be top 10. George Kush, Kusha at NCAAs has finished like in the 200th. 200s. Theo Quacks, when he ran uh, two years ago, was 150th. Ryan Raff always finishes 150th. So yeah. they are really... And right now, the guy who could potentially be the actual fifth at Brody Hasty is not even on the varsity race. So there is a big question mark. Will a Theo Quacks, a Ryan Raff, or Brody Hasty find a way to be 40th at Nationals? Now, Brody did it. 
but can he do it again? You know, Theo's running well here, but is he going to be 150th when push comes to shove in November? Same thing with Ryan Rapp. He's going to be 150th. And that's the big question mark. Will they secure a true number five? And you just don't know. And same with George Kush. Like, he could, he's been running well, but could he all of a sudden be 150th? So, Anybody you know they have be three, but I just feel like there's question marks on their four or five. I mean, everybody has the capability of being 150th in NCAA cross. It's just, we know that from, from history. But I, I feel really good about Young and Nur being top 10. And I feel pretty good about, with each passing race, I feel good about Bosley being yeah. a top 20 guy. It's just Kusha and Quacks and Raf, those next, or whoever fills in is, is tough. Do you think, because we got a question from the chat, it says you should talk about what the strategy was behind NAU going to pre-nats instead of Nuttycomb where they would face more of the top dogs. Well, you, you said the, the better teams were pre-nats. So I think he's talking about yeah. the top individuals. Like if this was one race today, how do you think it would have shaken out with just the top 10 teams from, from both races? Well, NAU, definitely. I, I, I feel like the top four teams here would have went one, two, three, four if you took the other teams yeah. from Nuttycomb. Yeah. I, I think NAU, Colorado, Arkansas, and BYU. I mean, Colorado, Arkansas, and BYU all basically ran the same. Sure, they're ranked two, three, four here, but I would all put them as second. In a massive race like this, they all finished 128, 128, 131. They're all the same. You're the same. You're all the same level line. And then Notre Dame, obviously, we'll talk about them, about their strategy. They're not really the fifth best team here. They are better than what they ran, but we'll see. Anyway, I, I think these teams, these are the teams. I mean, I, Iowa State, Stanford, I just don't see them really mm -hmm. finishing second in this race or even third. I finishing at best, they would finish fourth in this race. So, yeah. okay, are you, ready, are, are you ready to talk about Notre Dame then? One more. Hold on. Give me two seconds. I want to talk a little bit about Colorado, Arkansas, and BYU. I look at them all the sure. same right now. I would give BYU a little bit of an edge because of you know recency bias with you know they won in 2019 with a lot of the same guys that are on this you know with Manson Klinger. You know you just maybe was Klinger on that team? Klinger might not have been on that team. Maybe we take that back. 19? No. Klinger was no, on. No, he was on 19. Yeah, he was on the team. Nope. But Mance was on the team. Garnica was on it. Um, I'm, BYU is kind of holding serve for me. Yeah. Colorado has been impressing me with their performance because I just I feel like um, they're doing it with a bunch of kind of yeah. first-timers in, in a weird way. Eduardo Herrera is their true low stick, but Brendan Fraser, Austin Vansill, Andrew Kent, Charlie Sweeney, he's a D2 transfer. Stephen Jones, a transfer from Mississippi State. Alec Hornecker, who was a transfer from Portland State. They're kind of doing it with not really established Colorado guys like the Joe Kleckers and the, you know, yeah. I'm losing other people's name. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So they've been impressing me of kind of, they call it the Wetmore factor, is taking these no names and turning them into a legitimate team that I can see Colorado finishing second at Nationals or third or fourth, you know? I feel like Colorado, bad day, is going to be like yeah. seventh, which is pretty good. Um, yeah, I Arkansas look at BYU there. Team. Oh. Hold on, real quick on BYU, what? though. You, there's a clear gap for BYU in four and five. And if that gap, yeah. if that was minimized at all, then they, they're comfortably second. They went from 35th with Bonds, Troutner was 68th with a 26-second gap. I mean, I know every coach says, I got to find a fifth. I got to find a fifth. I'm sure Ed Ison has probably said that every season for the last several seasons. But I, they have so much depth. I, I think they'll be fine in plugging that gap. And I just like the experience of the top three there. Like, I think just as you're confident in Nur, Bosley, and Young to finish where they are, I'm confident in, you know, maybe not the exact same place range, but obviously Mance, has he had a bad race in college? Klinger's no. solid. Garnica always seems to 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 bring it or be you know he's he's had a lot he's had clutch moments before. So then it just comes down to, to to four and five. So I think BYU still has the advantage just because they can. I'll just say it, Gordon. They're scoring four. They're scoring four. They're scoring four. So the team that I honestly think is the biggest threat to NAU. If 
from Nuttycomb and Prenats is the Arkansas Razorbacks. Like, I think I might right. end up breaking Arkansas number two in the country. They, if you look, they are six deep, right? McLeod was 47th. Yeah. So they're six deep. Which is good for, for who, figuring out who your fifth is. But more importantly, I've done the research. If you have the best number four runner on race day, you're going to win the national championship. And right now, the number four runner for Arkansas is Emmanuel Chebosun, a Louisville transfer. Mm-hmm. He's run 1341 in a 5K. He's run, yeah. what does he run in a 10K? He's run 2842 in a 10K. And this is going to be a track meet. This is a fast course. And Kemboy, boy, Kebet, Kebet's like a miler. Chebosun, yeah. McLeod, Ryan, uh, and a few other guys, they're very fast track guys. And I really do think, you know, it's going to help Arkansas to be on this course. Yeah. And I think if it's fast and NAU falters, Arkansas is going to be the team that I think takes the victory. They got legit track guys. Amon Kemboy's running in the 1330s. Boyd's running 1340s. Yeah. Jefferson's running 1340s, you know? So... Arkansas, to me, proved, hey, we are the, the scary team. Okay, but here's how I would push back against that was I know they weren't going full tilt. I know NAU is not going full tilt here, but they just raced on this exact course and NAU scored half as many points as them. The track meet advantage okay. probably should have manifested itself today, correct? It's not like they ran in Terre Haute today from November 2019 conditions with mud, right? They, they ran the course that they're going to run in November, and they got their score cut in half by NAU. Yeah, but Arkansas had the second-best four-man here, right? Their four-man was 31st. Sure. Use yeah. four-man was 20th. And the, the, okay. if you look at the time difference, some of the time, the, the time difference between – their number three runner and number four runner was pretty yeah. close to George Kuz, who's 20. So, like, I could see I'm not, if I'm not counting them use four I'm not or five run, run like five seconds slower each, Arkansas yeah, yeah. could move up drastically. That's all I'm saying. Listen, I'm not, I'm not counting them out. And I like the fact that they have a good sixth person who is 47, just a few spots behind their, yeah. their fifth person. They don't have a cliff situation. A lot of teams have a cliff and then yeah. you fall off of it and you're, Fallen for a while before you hit. Arkansas appears to not have that. All I'm saying is, I don't think, like, I think we can already sort of factor in what it, how they're going to perform on the course because we saw that today. I don't think we can adjust as much. Now, do they just have the straight up talent to compete with NAU and beat them in, in three weeks? Yeah, I, I think you're 100% right. I just, I just would need to see more. And, you know, we're not going to see anything between now and nationals. So, NAU is going to go in as a favorite. I think that's the, the, the bottom line here, right? Women, it's, it's closer. So you can then look at regional performances and conference performances and make an argument and say, oh, Orton's back now for BYU and she blew everybody out of the water. Or look how fast Hannah Steelman is. If you go back and you put in the, her in the spreadsheet like Gordon had, then, then NC State's even better. But with the men, I think it's pretty clear NAU's a favorite. Doesn't mean they can't get upset. Don't get those two things confused. But I think NAU, when you score half of what everybody else does in, with, with a tougher field, I think you're going to always be the favorite. Unless somebody's holding something out that we don't know about. Yeah, I'm basically saying like Arkansas is finishing no worse than third. Like, and I think that's a fine pick. I think it's a fine pick. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, Notre Dame though real quick. And I'll just preface it with this because we always say, hey, this team, that team, keeping their cards close to their vests throughout the regular season. Notre Dame has put the card underneath their vest and then put three other layers of clothing and then put the cards under all that <laughs> clothing as well, too. That's how little they're showing here. So they ran more than they did their home meet. Jacobs, Kilry, Alexander were their top three. But we're still not getting the full Notre Dame picture. Correct, Gordon? Yeah, we didn't get Methner. We didn't get, obviously, Yared Nagus. And we didn't get, I forget I'll say his last name, Carmody. Promoti, the guy who finished like top five 
at the home meet in Notre Dame mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. So they, you could argue they left three of their top six not in the race. Now, I don't think all three of those guys would have beaten Danny Kilray in this race. I don't think... I do think all three of those guys would have beaten Andrew Alexander. I'm willing to put that. So I'm willing to take off, you know, take off, I would say, let's say they finish 20, 23, and 25. So let's say they all finish around 25. So you lose 25 points from Alexander. You lose about 30 points from Russo. And you lose about... Well, let's say 50. Oh, I'll say 50. So 50, 25, 30. Let's say they lose 100 points. So I'm willing to knock off 100 points on a good day from their score, which puts them at 103, right? It puts them above the Colorado, Arkansas, BYU contingent, but it still is back from NAU. So, and Notre Dame is still in that that tier. Um, But you don't know why they're holding it out. Are they hurt? Are they yeah. 100% healthy? Yeah. We know Yaron Nagus is dealing with an injury because he didn't run at the Olympics and he's yeah. had a long season. So there's just an unknown. Yeah, you can't and, at uh, a certain point. Yeah. At a certain point, you lose the benefit of the doubt of being like, well, we shocked people. It's like, well, you, know, you didn't run them. So what was, where was I supposed to rank you? Where, was, where were we supposed to put you if half your team – isn't showing up. Do they have the capability to win the whole thing? I think you're pretty clear on that from your initial rankings. Yes, they are. But in a sport like in Silver Cross, where we have so little to go off of, if we don't see the whole picture, it's not really an accurate reflection to say, well, we should rank them second going in. Right? I mean, are you, are you going to drop them in the rankings now? How do you deal with this in terms of rankings? Because going in, you had them number two. Are you going to keep their number two? I think I'm going to drop them to drop them to three, three or four. I think Arkansas is earning a second spot in my mind. Maybe I drop Notre Dame to three. BYU says a four and Colorado moves up to five. I could see that being my, my situation that I do. But I don't know. Stay tuned. We'll see the rankings on Monday morning. You can check them all out. But that's what I'm leaning towards um so yeah yeah because and you can watch this is the, the problem coaches leave out too. healthy yeah yeah well yeah coaches they also leave, leave out injured runners athletes too and they also leave out injured athletes and you don't know if they're injured or hurt they're injured or healthy if they're healthy it's normal yeah if they're injured then you like you shouldn't expect them to be a top 10 runner you know so you're like all right what yeah. are you doing i just laugh though then at the revisionism at the end of the year when it's like a lot of people counted us out it's like well what did you want us to do if you're not showing up, but where were we supposed to rank you? Like, if you showed up with your A team all year and you were getting beaten, and then we said, there's no way this team can win, they've suffered all these losses, then you could say it counted you out. But if you're literally not running your best athletes and they're healthy, and then they show up at nationals and do really well, you know, credit, credit to you, you, you figure out the season well, you you had them peaking at the right time, but the whole mind game thing about the disrespect and the low ranking and everything—it's just you can kind of miss me with that. Yeah, I want to say the the times here were a lot faster, obviously, than Nutty Comb. It's gonna be, gonna be a track meet, Gordon. That's what I heard. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I think more than ever, you can look at athletes. 5K, 10K track, maybe more 5K probably, 5K PBs, and use that as a kind of a, a gauge of where people will finish. Because look at, you know I mean, I guess it really doesn't go down till 11th place before you see it. Is Ahmad Muhammad's track PB pretty good? Maybe not. Probably Vincent Mari is the first person who doesn't have that great of a track PB. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kip Sang sure does. Everyone else, you know. Yeah. Gibson can run a damn 1500. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, George Goose can For run sure. 37 in the mile, 750 yeah. in 3K. So, right, right. And maybe that's yeah. why someone think... like Theo Quacks ran well because maybe he's better at track stuff. He's like a 339, 1500 guy, 1350, right. 5K. But maybe he's not good at cross country. And that's why he ran awful at the 2019 champs because of sleeting and 
it was rough. But if it's a flat track cross country course, maybe someone like Theo Quacks. I mean, his dad broke what held the uh, world record in the five k for a few years, so it's in the blood. How many other people have a dad who held the world record in the five k? I don't think anyone else. I think it's just him. That hit him. Yeah, I mean, Dick Quacks, complete legend. Um, so. Any last thoughts on this? Anything else? I don't want to cut too much into your cross country show that you're going to post no, on, it's okay. on Tuesday. But but is there anything else you want to add? Uh, hold on, we got a comment here. Rose Runner says, "I think it's impressive that 144 800 meter guy Festus Legat finished 17th at Nuttycomb. The range is incredibly impressive." Finally, Gordon, somebody is acknowledging Festus Legat sleeper, sleeper athlete here. Yeah, I mean that is impressive. Iowa State, I am kind of – I'm not falling too in love with you. Maybe it's being a little disrespectful of the great state of Iowa and the runners who run Iowa State. But I'm just more impressed with the Colorados, Arkansas, BYU's, Notre Dame's for what they can be than I am with the Iowa State, Stanford, Tulsa's. So, But we'll see. Well, here's one interesting thing. So we'll, we'll end with this on the men's side. Wesley Kiptu, when he raced Connor Mance, he stayed with him, and they kind of went through the entire race together, and it wasn't until late in the race well, where they kind of like yeah. pulled away together. When Kiptu raced Cooper Tier, he decided to go from the gun, and Cooper Tier let him go. So Kiptu now has shown two races. He's shown the classic Kiptu, go from the gun, hold on, and win. And he showed the, okay, stay back with the, with the pack, and see if I can win a close race. He lost to Mance. He beat Tier. What strategy do you think Kiptu does in November? Do you think he does the Nuttycomb strategy or the Roy Griak strategy? To paraphrase Mike Smith with three words, gas, gas, gas. It's fast. You mentioned it. It's not Oklahoma State's course. So... If there ever was a time for him to cut loose and just go for it, he this would be the course. If he did it last year in Stillwater, he's definitely going to do it this year. And I think the result could be similar. Could end up with him getting caught and falling back. But I think he's going to make this thing lightning quick, if I had to predict. Oh, one last thing. We've been talking about where the ranking on the men's side. Oklahoma State choosing to not run at Nuttycomb or Prenets. The men. The men. Think it's a good move? I saw that. Is it a good move? I mean, I would love to see him race just because you had him ranked so highly. So from my perspective, no. But they probably know something. What I, I, Didn't we have this situation a couple of years ago with Oklahoma State and they didn't have enough points? And then they didn't have a good regional race. Do you remember that? And they missed the meet. That was 19, I want to say. Must have been 19. Um, they're confident. They're confident. They have a really good team. So they'll be fine. What do you think? In a weird way, they're kind of like, I'm going to have to have like a Notre Dame vibe of them because. Yeah, where do you rank them? them. Yeah, yeah. Where, do you rank, where do you rank Oklahoma State? Oklahoma State and Notre Dame, I should just give like a side ranking podium teams that I refuse to rank. Maybe that's what I do. They're just like, is not in the top not five. A, they just get like a, yeah. Like, is not racing podium? a sign of They're strength gonna... or a sign of weakness. I think that's what we need to decide as a podcast and totally. as a community. Yeah. At least we will see Oklahoma state race. Iowa state at big 12s. So that will be good. Oh, and big shout out Texas Longhorn men. You know, a team that's really good at getting 30th or 31st at Nationals finished fifth, uh, sixth year, sixth year at uh, Prenets. Pretty damn good. And Princeton. Yeah. Shout out to Vidge. They're connected. Uh, Texas, Coach Texas, Texas and Princeton, the orange teams. Orange is my favorite color. Got to give a shout out to them. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to leave it there. We got we to gotta note about. Um... Talking about this Kipchoge 
mass marathon thing that I need to dig into more. But we'll talk about that on Monday. Also, we got those, we got a couple emails about your cross country proposals, strengths and weaknesses with it. We'll have plenty of time to talk about that on Monday as well, too. But this was a good episode. I hope the cross country purists out there enjoyed it. Cross country super fans enjoyed it. Um, again, Gordon's cross country show, which is called the NCAA Cross Country Show. Is on YouTube on Tuesdays, so you check that out. Thanks to Colt for producing. Thanks to Travis for producing. Thanks to Gordon for bearing with me, even though his favorite Philadelphia Eagle of all time got traded mere moments before we started. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll talk to you on Monday.